0: Ask that you would just bless our time in your word right now. And, Lord, as we look at these things, we know that you desire for us to learn of you, to learn of your ways, and, Lord, for us to be blessed and to draw close to you. So open up our hearts to make application right now and teach us by your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Numbers chapter 7, we read now, it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings and the altar and all its utensils. So he anointed them and consecrated them. And then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their father's houses, who were the leaders of the tribes and over those who were numbered, made an offering. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered carts and 12 oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders and For each one an ox, and they presented them before the tabernacle. And so, chapter 7 here of Numbers is actually the second longest chapter in the Bible. The longest chapter is Psalm 119, right? With 176 verses. Here, I believe we have 89 verses as we look at this. I was right. And Psalm 119, the longest chapter of the scriptures that we have, deals with the Word of God, the benefits of uh, knowing God's Word, walking in God's Word, and having it in our hearts. So that's what the psalmist, probably David, who wrote Psalm 119. And, of course, in Psalm 137, he would go on to say that God honors His Word above His name. Now, in this chapter, the second longest, it's dealing with uh, the giving of gifts to God. And we're going to see how important that is to the Lord as well as we look at this. And what's happening here is when moses dedicated the tabernacle we saw that back in the book of exodus and so a lot of things were taking place at that time as they would spend about a year constructing the tabernacles we saw in the book of exodus and then they would spend about a month as they were training the priests getting them ready for ministry and then they would consecrate or dedicate the tabernacle and at that time here numbers chapter 7 takes place And that's where the leaders of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, those leaders that were listed to us by name in chapter 1, they would come and present their gifts for the service of the tabernacle. And at this point, we see what's listed, what they would bring, is they would bring some of the oxen that they had, and they brought some carts. And what we're going to see is they're going to be used for the ministry at the tabernacles, verse 4, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Accept these from them, that they may be used in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites, to every man according to his service. So Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, according to their service, and four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Marii, according to their service, under the, under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. In verse 9, but to the sons of Koath he gave none, because theirs was the service of the holy things which they carried on their shoulders. Now remember, as we've been going and traveling through the book of Numbers, that we have seen that in the family uh, in the tribe of Levi, that there are certain families that were set aside to help Aaron and his sons in the ministry there at the tabernacle. Aaron and his sons, they are the priests. They are in the tribe of Levi, but not every Levi is a priest. And so uh, we know that every priest is a Levi. But there are different families that uh, would come out of the tribes of Levi. And the Lord has said that you are now going to be given to the priest to assist them in the at the tabernacle. So we've seen all that. It's going to be reiterated again as we see in the next chapter. And so we see that um, the three main families that we have seen, their duties given to them as we've gone in uh, numbers chapters 3 and 4 and looked at that there is Koaths, they were to go and carry the furnishings and so Koath, your family what you guys are to do is when aaron and his sons go into the tabernacle and that's when the tabernacle is being moved and and the tabernacle was a temporary structure so the priests would go in there they would cover it up just as we saw last time uh, last wednesday in numbers chapter 4 covered up the furnishings, and then the Levites were to go in and bear those furnishings on their shoulders, the Ark of the Covenant, the shoe bread table, the altar of incense, all those different furnishings that were made for the tabernacle. And then we saw that the other two main families, the Maronites and the Gershonites, they had specific duties as well. And the Gershon family, what they did is they transported the fabric of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was made of animal skins. that were overlaid, uh, over the frame of the tabernacle and then the wall around it was made of of different animal skins and so they would fold all of that up and they would use these carts to carry the curtains and stuff and so we see that two carts and four oxen were given to the Gershon family now four carts and eight oxen were given to the Marites they were to carry the boards and some of those boards were 15 feet long if you remember in the book of exodus some of the boards were overlaid with gold they would be very very heavy so it'd be a tremendous blessing to have these four carts and eight oxen to help carry those tabernacle boards and pillars and it was given to them to do the work of the ministry again for the tabernacle and one of the things that we see here is for the family of Marianize, uh the Maronites, they had the four carts and eight oxen for the gershon family to carry the curtains they just received two carts and four oxen But the Lord here, he says, you're given according to their service in verse 7. And as we talk about giving here, again, we're seeing the importance that the Lord puts on us giving. That's one of the principles that we see all throughout scriptures. And as we go through the Bible, as we've gone through Genesis, and we're going through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, as we're going through the New Testament on Sunday mornings, you see certain patterns and principles that are repeated over and over again. And one of the principles that we see repeated is the Lord desires for us to give to Him. We've seen that all throughout this Old Testament that we've looked at so far. In the book of Leviticus, you recall that the Lord talked about the first fruits that were to be given to Him. We saw that, uh, you know, the, the giving of a sacrifice of praise, the burnt offering, the, the peace offering, all those things were a free will offering. So the giving to the Lord is an important thing to be a part of our lives as Christians, to give unto the Lord, to give Him our time, to give Him freely and willingly of our uh, resources and time and service unto Him. So these are principles that we're seeing over and over again. And in the giving that he would give to the Gershans and to also the Maronites as they did their ministries, the Lord would give to them according to their ministry, and so some would receive more than others. But the point that I want to make tonight is, is that brings me great rest in the fact that the Lord's going to give to us here. As, as we have a ministry here, ministering unto the Lord, as we are investing in the kingdom of God, he will give to us provide for us so we can do the ministry that he's called us to do now it may not be the same as the church down the street right or the big church that is downtown or whatever it might be and that's okay and i think a problem comes is when churches think well they're taking in a bunch of money we need to take in and find a way to to fundraise or whatever to bring in a lot more money and i just rest in the fact that lord you've given us the ministry here at calvary chapel you've raised up this church so we can teach through the bible verse by verse chapter by chapter so people can grow in god's word and you're going to provide for that as we do that and as he gives it to us we're able to do those things and so i'm very thankful for it i don't have to think okay i want to have a brand new big building like somebody else or we should build a big gym or whatever it might be lord where you guide you do provide and as you're guiding us here and whatever you have for us and as we expand and as we grow you're going to provide for that so i don't need to worry about that and so here he was given to those different families what it was needed so they can do the ministry there at the tabernacle in verse 10 now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed so the leaders offered their offerings before the altar For the Lord said to Moses, they shall offer their offering one liter each day for the dedication of the altar. So what's going to happen is those 12 leaders of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, they're camped around the tabernacle. When they were camped there, we saw the order that they would be camped. And Judah's mentioned first, and it's going to be on the first day. This giving to them of the carts and oxen would take place. But now we're going to see that each of the 12 leaders of those tribes are going to come one by one, and they're going to give. They're going to give of their offerings. And so for 12 days, 12 men representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel, or the leader of Judah is going to come on day one. Then we'll see the leader of the second tribe come on two on day two. The leader of the third tribe listed on day three. And We're going to highlight this as we go through this chapter here, and we're going to see those leaders listed again that we saw in, in the... Senses given in Numbers chapter 1. And so they're going to be offering these things um, in verse 12 we read. And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Aminadab, from the tribe of Judah. So he, on the first day, is bringing this offering. Verse 13, his offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of a goat as a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs in the first year. This was the offering of Nashan, the son of Aminadab. And so that's what he would bring on the first day. The second day, verse 18, was Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, presented an offering. So here comes the tribe of Issachar, the leader. He's given the offering, and as you read through verse 23, you see it's the same offering. For his offering he offered, verse 19, one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, 1 gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, 1 young bull, 1 ram, 1 male lamb. In the first year, is a burnt offering, 1 kid goat of the goats of the sin offering. And then verse 23, as a sacrifice of the peace offering, 2 oxen, 5 rams, 5 male goats, 5 male lambs. In the first year, this was the offering of Nathaniel, the son of Zuar. And so bringing the same thing. Now what I'm going to do for the rest of the chapter Forgive me, I'm not going to read through this. It's repetitious. It's the same offering, but I'm going to highlight here each of the days. So in verse 24, on the third day, Eliab, the son of Helan, leader of the children of Zebulon, presented an offering. And so as you read through verse 29, you see it was the same offering that I just read to you. So he would bring it on the third day. And then verse 30, on the fourth day, Eleazar, the son of Shaduard, leader of the children of Reuben, presented an offering, he would bring the exact same offering as you read through verse 35. Then verse 36, as I highlight and outline this for you, the fifth day was uh, Shalumiel, the son of Shera Shaddai, leader of the children of Simeon, presented an offering. And so his offering is the same through verse 41. Verse 42, on the sixth day, Elisaph, the son of Duhal, uh, du el, leader of the children of Gad, presented an offering. So he would present his offering. And then verse 48, on the seventh day, elish the son of Amenhud, leader of the children of Ephraim, presented an offering. So that's the seventh day Ephraim would come. Then in verse 54, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazar, uh, leader of the children of Manasseh, presented an offering. So his offering, again, listed through verse 59. Verse 60, on the ninth day, um, Abidan the son of Gideonai, leader of the children of Benjamin, presented an offering, and his offering is listed there through verse 65. Verse 66, on the tenth day, uh, Ai, um, Ai Ezer, the son of Amishadai, leader of the children of Dan, presented an offering. So his offering, again, listed through verse 71. Then the eleventh day, mentioned on verse 72, was Pegiel, the son of Akran, leader of the children of Asher, presented an offering. And then on the 12th day in verse 78 was Ahira, the son of Anan, leader of the children of Naphtali. He presented an offering, so his offerings presented. So you see what happened. The leaders of the 12 tribes, each for 12 days, would bring the same offering that was here. And then in verse 84, this was the dedication offering for the altar of the leaders of Israel. For it was anointed 12 silver platters, 12 silver bowls, and 12 gold pans. Each silver platter weighed 130 shekels, and each bowl 70 shekels. All the silver of the vassals weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The 12 gold pans full of incense weighed 10 shekels apiece. According to the shekel of the sanctuary, all the gold in the pans weighed 120 shekels. All the oxen for the burnt offering were 12 young bowls, the rams, 12, the male lambs in their first, 12, first year, 12, and their grain offering and the kids of the goat as the sin offering, 12. In verse 88, and all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offering were 24 bulls, the rams, 60, the male goats, 60, the lambs of their first year, 60. This was the dedication offering of the altar after he was anointed. And now when Moses went into the tabernacle meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. Thus he spoke to them. One thing that we can learn from this chapter, again, a lot of repetition, a lot of details. Why do we have to read all of this? Because God is in the details, isn't he? Just as he went through all the names there that are listed in the census, He knows us. He knows our name. And that brings great comfort to me. But also, as you give to the Lord, he knows that. He knows your service to the Lord, and he knows what it is that you give to the Lord. And so this list here of all these gifts that were given, and it may be repetitive, but the thing is, perhaps you've been given to the Lord, maybe the same tithe check, over and over again, and you begin to wonder, Lord, do you see what it is that I give? For each month, when I give of the tithes or I give of the offering, he does see it, and he makes note of it, and it's important to him. The thing that the Lord desires for us to do is to give with a heart that is willingly able and, and, and wants to give, a heart that is cheerful about giving and a motivation that, Lord, I want to give to you because of my love for you, and I want to invest in the kingdom of God. And I think that giving can be one of the hardest things that Christians think that they need to do or are called to do, and that is to give, to give a tithes, to give a money, or whatever it is. I want the Lord to put that on your heart and to see how valuable it is to the Lord for you to give whatever He puts on your heart, but to give freely and willingly with the cheerful givers, what the Lord loves, as the New Testament says, and out of a love for Him and to understand something, that it is important to Him. And he takes note of it. And great will be your reward as you invest in the kingdom. And the Lord says, store up your treasures in heaven where it won't be destroyed, where rust won't come in and, and moths come in and thieves come in and take it and break it and all of this. But invest in the kingdom of God because those are eternal riches. And your investment, you're going to get a great payback on it. And uh, the riches of the world can go away. There's a lot of discussion about that today. In the world, as we've seen the markets kind of tank and everything else. But you give to the Lord. Make it a priority in your life. Don't say, well, you know what, if I made more money, then I'll give to the Lord. Because then you make more money, and then you say, well, if I make more money, then I'll give to the Lord. However the Lord leads you, however, you know, that is, He puts it on your heart, what He puts on your heart, trust in Him and know that He'll bless you for that. And know that you are investing in eternity. So take note of, 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 he does take note of the things that we give to him and it is important to him. Chapter 8, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so, he arranged the lamps to face toward the front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. Now this workmanship of the lampstand was hammered gold from its shaft to its flower. It was hammered work according to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. So here in Numbers chapter 8, the lampstand, which was one of the furnishings in the holy place, right? As you walked into the tabernacle, there was the holy place, and on the left-hand side, there was the seven-branched golden menorah that's being spoken of. Now, at the end of chapter 7, we saw that Moses would go into the second room behind the veil that was called the Holy of Holy, and that's where the Lord spoke to him. The Lord spoke to him from between the cherubim, that was the mercy seat that sat on the Ark of the Covenant. And you recall when Moses was told to build the tabernacle, and again, remember back in the book of Exodus that Moses built the tabernacle after the pattern that I showed to you. It wasn't that Moses and some of the leaders got together and said, hey, let's build a tabernacle and let's make it this way. Or the children of Israel all wanted their two cents and how the tabernacle should be constructed. Moses, here's the intricate details of the tabernacle. And so the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. Only Aaron, the high priest, and of course Moses, as we read at the end of chapter 7, would be allowed in the Holy of Holies. And the Lord said, I will meet with you between the cherubim and I'll speak with you, Moses. And that's what we saw in the holy place the seven branch golden menorah on the left hand side it was the only source of light in the tabernacle we've talked about it its detail that was given to us in exodus chapter 25 and it was the most intricately designed of all the furnishings with the flowers and the almonds made of all gold on each of the branches and and all of this it had bowls on top of each of the seven branches with oil in it and wicks and the priests were to fill up the bowls with oil, make sure that the light was burning. And we talked about how that the lampstand was to be representative of the nation, that the nation was to be a light to the other nations. But also how it speaks of Jesus Christ who declared to be the light of the world. But it also speaks of the church, I believe. Because in Revelation chapter 1, we see Jesus what? He's standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands. Now, those lampstands are not the same as the 7 branch menorah, but it has the same idea. Jesus would give us, or John would see that vision of Jesus standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands, those lampstands each representing one of the churches that was there in Proconsular Asia. So it tells us a couple things. Number one, that we as the church, we are to be a light. You and I individually, Jesus said, You're the light of the world, but we corporately are to be a light. And that's my prayer for Calvary Chapel and for the other churches that that really have given their hearts to the Lord and believe in the Lord. That that we are light in the darkness that is out there. That we would be a lamp on a hill. That we wouldn't put it under the bed or under a bushel, but we would be shining forth to be a light. And so that's what makes Revelation chapters one, two, and three so powerful is Jesus, first of all, standing in the midst of the church. He's into the church, folks, and he's in the midst of the church. Sometimes I see people just, and even Christians, I don't go to church, you know, church this and church that, and churches are, you know, a bunch of hypocrites and all of this. Understand this, that Jesus loves the church, and he's into the church, and he's in the midst of the church. He was in the midst of those seven lampstands. And what he does in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and he turns to each one of those lampstands or each one of those churches, and he begins to address them. He writes a letter to them, and he commends them on the things that they were doing well, and then he rebukes them on the things that they weren't doing well and where there was sin and they needed to repent. And so it's a powerful, powerful portion of Scripture there in the book of Revelation. And as I look at it, I think, okay, I want to pay especially attention to what Jesus has to say to each of those seven churches so my light continues to shine. So the first church, the church of Ephesus, that I commend you on your works, and you stand on truth, and you declare those who are false, and, and all of this he commends them on. But then he turns around and he says, but one thing I have against you is you've left your first love, so you need to go back to it, and if you don't, I'm going to remove your lampstand. So we can take note, can't we? That it's just not about doing things, but it's loving the Lord. And He needs to be our first love for our light to continue to shine in this community. You see what I'm saying? And I pray for us that as people come into this place, that they, yes, we stand on truth. Yes, that we are ones that were doing the work of the ministry. That was the church of Ephesus. But I pray that more than anything that they would see that we love the Lord. And that's where our light is really going to shine. I pray that we would be like the church of Philadelphia, the sixth church that is addressed. And I believe that probably the church of Philadelphia was probably one of the smallest of the churches, if not the smallest of the churches that was addressed. The city of Philadelphia was the smallest of the cities. That was addressed in those seven cities in Proconsular Asia. It was a very beautiful city, but the smallest. And I think, and I just suspect, that the Church of Philadelphia was the smallest of the churches because the Lord says you have a little strength. have a little strength. But you have not denied my name, and you've held fast to my word. He had everything good to say about the Church of Philadelphia. The orphanage that we support there in Northern Thailand, I got a newsletter from them. And they started a new church plant in one of the villages in northern Thailand, and they call it the Church of Philadelphia, and the language that one of the tribal languages that they have. And and it, it reflects the Church of Philadelphia, how the Lord commended them. You haven't denied my name. You held fast to my word. How we need to do that, especially in these days? You have a little strength, a little strength. In other words, that you're not just relying on yourselves and the numbers and the budgets and all this. You're relying on me. And that's the way I want to be. And that's the way for our light to continue to shine. To the church of Laodicea, he would say, the seventh church, that he would say to them, you guys see yourselves as being rich and um, and being big and powerful and popular and having no need. But the Lord saw them in his eyes as being naked, wretched, miserable, and poor. And so we learn some powerful lessons in that. And that's why in the Church of Laodicea, by the way, that Jesus says, and behold, I stand at the door and knock. We use that verse in evangelistic you know, events and stuff, and that's fine. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I will come in and sup with him and you with me, speaking of fellowship. But what the Lord was saying in that letter to the Church of Laodicea, I'm standing at the door. Why don't you let me in? I want to be in your hearts, truly in your heart. So we are to be that light, and that's my prayer, especially in these days, that we are a light to this community. People would see the love of Jesus Christ, and as we just hold fast to his name and to his word, that that would be noticed as well. And so the lampstand, and then we're going to see the dedication of the uh, Levites. We saw the dedication and the consecration of the priests in Leviticus chapter 8. Now we're seeing the dedication and the consecration of the Levites here in Numbers chapter 8, verse 5. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them, sprinkle water of purification on them, and let them shave all their bodies, and let them wash their clothes, and so make themselves clean. So they were to be washed with water. You recall in Leviticus chapter 8 that the priests were to be washed with water there at the tabernacle, weren't they? Again, we see patterns throughout the scripture. And those of us who say, you know what, Lord, I want to consecrate myself. I want to dedicate myself to you. We can do that because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, haven't we? We've been washed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, as Titus tells us. That is, the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. We're a new creature in Christ, and we wash ourselves with the water of the Word. So those things take place as we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, this washing, the washing of the blood of Jesus as we come to Him. The Holy Spirit, we cannot do ministry without the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the emphasis that I see sometimes with those who like to, to really emphasize that doing the work of the ministry and serving the Lord and all that, that's great. But you see, you've got to remember, it isn't out of our own energies. It's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I need the Holy Spirit in my life, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that has changed my heart and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see this anointing with oil with the priest. We need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit to do what it is that God has called us to do. Because without me, Jesus said, again, you can do nothing. It isn't about your fleshly desires. It's about submitting to the Lord and abiding in Him and allowing Him to work in your life. So all this that we see. But here's the interesting thing. After they were sprinkled of purification on them, verse 7, then let them go and shave their bodies and let them wash their clothes and make themselves clean. So we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, aren't we? We're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and then we get to go and we get to live for Him and do those works that were prepared beforehand that the Lord has for us because we are His workmanship. We get to do those good works. We as we dedicate ourselves to him. Dedicating ourselves to him means, Lord, I want to walk in your ways. I want to serve you and whatever you have for me. Lord, you lead me and guide me as we're going to see. Those principles are going to be spelled out to us as we continue in chapter 8 and in chapter 9. And Lord, I dedicate myself. That is, I want to stay close to you. I want to continue to, to abide with you, Lord. I want to just, I want to serve you. You see, dedicating ourselves to the Lord doesn't mean you go out and then you wallow around in the mud, in the things of the world, or whatever it might be. But Lord, I want to just serve you. I just want. Lord to stay close to you and so here let them shave their bodies let them wash your clothes so make themselves clean and let them take a young bull with its grain offering a fine flour mixed with oil and she'll take another young bull as a sin offering and he shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle meeting and he shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel and so he shall bring the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on on the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel, that they may perform the work um, of the Lord. And so here the whole uh, nation was involved in this dedication, recognizing that they've been called to service for God. And here's the thing when, when the Lord's hand is really on a person, using them in ministry, whatever it might be, people are going to see it, they're going to recognize it. Now, I understand that there are times and different circumstances um, that people don't always see ministry that takes place. Jesus said, let your light so shine you know, before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're not to do it before men so that we can be recognized. So ministry, a lot of times, is done in a very humble way. It's done in a way where we're not flaunting it or promoting it or whatever it may be. But I do know this, when there are those who have really dedicated themselves that, Lord, I just want to serve you and be a humble servant and rely on you, that it it becomes recognizable by the people. There are people here that have been serving faithfully at Calvary Chapel, teaching the children for years. And you can look at them and you can say, you know what, the Lord's really using them. I can see that. Uh, They've been in the nursery or in the coffee shop or you know, cleaning for years, or doing yard service, or whatever it might be. So as you do the service of the Lord, as you do that which He has called you to do, then people are going to recognize it and see it in your life. And so verse 12, Then the Levites shall lay their hands on their heads of the young bulls, and shall offer one as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And he shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons, and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. And thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that the Levites shall go into service of the tabernacle meeting. You shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering. And so notice the the sin offering given, and then the burnt offering. And of course the sin offering, we have to come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I have sinned And, Lord, I receive you into my heart. I believe in you. And then that burnt offering is I dedicate my life to you. It can't be the other way. First you get saved. You know, come to him, recognize your need for him. And then, Lord, I dedicate my life to you to do whatever it is that you have for me. Verse 16, For they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I have taken them for myself instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the children of Israel. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, Both man and beast, on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them to myself. And I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of Israel. In verse nineteen, and I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel, to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle meeting, and to make atonement for the children of Israel, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the sanctuary. And so again, Reiterating what we've already seen in Numbers chapter 3, that there was to be uh, the Levites given to Aaron and his sons to do the work of the ministry instead of the firstborn. And I like this in verse 19, that I've given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons. I like that. Because those of you who serve here and serve faithfully, that it really is a gift. It's a gift to those who come It's a gift to those who are blessed every week as you come and serve in whatever capacity it might be. It really is a gift to me. It's a gift to me because then I see the body of Christ functioning and reaching out and doing the work of the ministry. And then I can focus on doing what God has called me to do. And that is to be in the study of God's word and to be in prayer. And so it is a tremendous gift. It's a gift from God as He gifts us certainly in doing the ministry, but I think it's I consider it a gift. I consider it a gift to be able to be up here and to be used of the Lord in what He's called me to do. And it's a gift to me as He's brought all of you here and as you know, He's put this church together and the ministry that takes place. Wow. To me it's wonderful. It just shows the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we finish the chapter, thus Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so the children of Israel did to them. And the Levites purified themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron presented them like a wave offering before the Lord, and Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that, the Levites went in to do their work in the tabernacle meeting before Aaron and his sons, as the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is what pertains to the Levites from twenty five years old and above, one may enter to perform service in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And at the age of fifty years, they must cease performing this work and shall work no more. They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting to attend to needs, but they themselves shall do no work, thus you shall do to the Levites regarding their duties. I look at this, and again, we touch on this. So the Levites did the work of the ministry from 30 years of age to 50 years of age, and 50 years of age, they no longer did the work. And I'm getting close to 50 years of age, and I think, that's a pretty good principle, isn't it? (laughs) But they didn't really stop there at 50 years of age. They would go in, and they would teach. They would go in and help those that were 25 and under, that were in... Um, training and, and an internship, if you would, in learning to do the work of the ministry, of the tabernacle. They would go in and also help the Levites, and they had a lot to offer, the wisdom and um, the things that they have learned in their years of ministry. And I just want to say this, that so many of you who have come, and, and I look out and I see you guys are here. You guys are learning God's word. You're growing. You have so much to offer people. You really do. Do you know that? Because you guys are the ones that are being grounded in God's Word. You have truth to give. And to be able to minister to that young Christian. To be able to minister to that person who doesn't really understand the gospel message. To be able to minister to family members or those at work, whatever it might be. It's kind of like a parent. Is We raise children and, and you raise them and... You go through and you learn a lot and then those children grow up and they get married and they have children. You're a grandparent and your children, you see them going through the same things and struggles and this is hard, mom, and you say, I know, I know. And you got so much to offer them and you got so much advice to give to them. It's kind of like that. You guys, all of you, have opportunity to be a spiritual father and mother to those who are linked to you in your life because you're here learning God's Word. You have God's wisdom to share with them, with your children, with those at work, other family members, whoever it might be. And I pray that that would be our mindset, that we wouldn't just park it. Because one thing, seriously, as I look at this, and, and yeah, be, after 50 years of age, it sounds nice, I never want to retire From serving the Lord, as long as I am able to and able to speak and able to share and able to reach out, I want to continue to do that. And so chapter 9, very quickly, the second Passover. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they come out of the land of Egypt saying, let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month at twilight, you shall keep... It at its appointed time, according to all its rites and ceremonies, she shall keep it. Exodus chapter 12, we saw the Passover. Right before they left Egypt, that they were to, on the 14th or the 10th day, of the first month, which was Nisan, that they were to take the lamb and then they were to slay it on the 14th day. It was the birth of the nation when Passover was instituted on that night before they would leave Egypt. And so the Lord said, you are to observe this perpetually, From generation to generation. So now they're out there in the wilderness. And now they're going to celebrate Passover for the very first time actually out there in the wilderness. So verse 4, Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses so the children of Israel did. And, of course, we've talked extensively, even as we're going through Matthew's Gospel, how Christ is our Passover, as Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And so here they're told to keep the Passover, just as the Lord told them. And again, a little side note that I mentioned this, that throughout much of their history, they did not keep the Passover. And in second chronicles chapter thirty-six, towards the end of Judah's, you know, um, the reign of Judah before they were taken off into captivity by the Babylonians, Josiah, that last revival that took place, he reinstituted Passover, and it says specifically in Second Chronicles thirty-six that they had not observed Passover since the days of the judges. So all during the days of the kings, there's indication that they didn't observe Passover. Even Saul is king, the first king, David, Solomon, when the nation was split after that. And I think that really led to them just continuing in, in idolatry and, and turning to other false gods because the Lord would come back and say, listen, don't you remember that I am the one, I'm the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that gave you this land, not these idols. The foolishness of, of worshiping these idols Turn back to me. And so Passover was to commemorate how the Lord brought them out of Egypt and was going to give them the promised land. And they did not celebrate it and observe it for year after year after year after year after year. And so they had forgotten. They didn't remember or didn't become important to them. So the Lord comes along and He institutes a new covenant, a better covenant. My body broken for you, my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's why we do communion during the Easter week, the first Sunday of the month in two weeks or a week from this Sunday, actually, we'll be taking up communion. But then we're also going to take it on that Wednesday of of Passion Week or Easter week. We're going to do Good Friday communion. We're really going to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us and going to the cross at Calvary. And we need to keep that always in our hearts, tucked away, Lord, what you've done for me and dying for me shedding your blood for me and i have salvation and forgiveness oh thank you lord and so it keeps us close to him and that's why the lord said do this in remembrance of me they didn't do the passover for many years here they're told to do it and so verse six now there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse so they could not keep the passover on that day and it came before moses and Aaron that day and those men said to him we became defiled by human corpse Why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at His appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moses said to them, Stand still that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. So here it is, they're to observe Passover. Something happened with some of the people, perhaps sleeping next to their wife, and their wife died or something, or their child died, and they were holding their child. And so they were considered ceremonially unclean. They could not observe the Passover. So they come to Moses, and they say, listen, we wanted to observe the Passover. What do we do? And so Moses said, stand still, that I may hear what the Lord will do concerning you. That's good advice, isn't it? If anybody ever comes to us, with a concern, Um, anything that they they come to us uh, concerning uncertainty, we need to say, you know what? Stand still and know what God has to say concerning this situation. When it comes to our own lives, we need to learn to stand still and see what the word of God has to say, what the Lord would say to our hearts in that still small voice. In Isaiah chapter 30, woe to the rebellious children of Israel for they seek counsel but not of me. And what they were doing at that time is that they were going to Egypt, the world, to align with them so they can go against the Assyrians who were a threat to the house of Israel. And the Lord said, it's not going to work. Going to the world is not going to help you. Those fast Arabian horses but in quietness will be your strength. And as you come to me in counsel, I will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Go to the right, go to the left. He did not say, I might be a voice. He said, when you come to me for counsel in quietness before me as you seek me, as we know God's word and what he has for us in our lives, that as we stand still and seek him, he will be that voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so he guides us and directs us. And so Moses saying that, the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 9, saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying, if any one of you or your Posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. On the 14th day of the second month, verse 11, at twilight they may keep it, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. So they were delayed a month. They would celebrate it a month later, the Passover. And so they shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey and ceases to keep the Passover, that same person shall be cut off from among his people, because he did not bring the offering of the Lord at his appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger dwells among you and would keep the Lord's Passover, he must do so according to the rite of the Passover, and according to its ceremony, you shall have one ordinance. For both the stranger and the native of the land. In verse 15, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, from evening until morning. It is above the tabernacle like a appearance of fire. So it was always the cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after the That the children of Israel would journey, and in the place where the clouds settled, there is children of Israel would pinch their tents. And at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. In verse 19, even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped, and according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. And so it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, they would journey, whether by day or night. Whether the cloud was taken up, they would journey. And whether it was two days, a month, or a year, the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they remained encamped, At the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord and the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. As most of us know, there in the middle of the camp, the tabernacle, above the tabernacle, the tangible presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, and the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, that's what made the nation unique god was in their midst all the tents were towards the tabernacle there was the tabernacle itself and then there was the pillar of fire and pillar of cloud and when that pillar of fire would move then they would have to break up camp and the tabernacle and move according to numbers chapter 2 and then when it would stop that's where they set up camp and it's representative the presence of god leading the children of israel And we would think, that's kind of neat. Wouldn't that be neat if somehow we could be led in the same way, a little pillar of cloud, you know, leading me? But we have something better, and that is God in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts leading us. Again, the Word of God, that still small voice, seeking Him. And I will tell you, this is the way. Walk in it, go to the left or go to the right. The lesson here, very important. Lord, when you tell me to move, I want to move. When you go right, I want to go right. When you go left, I want to go left. Lord, when you tell me to stay put, stay put. If it remained there for a long time, as we just read, they were to stay put. But when it moved, they were to move. Lord, I want to get ahead of you. Lord, I don't want to lag behind you. I want to be led by you wherever you want me to be. And as you have that heart, and as you go to the Lord, just day by day, Lord, you lead me, you guide me. It's a wonderful adventure. And there are times where you're wondering, Lord, I've kind of been camped here for a while. Is this really where you want me? Yes, you stay put, and I've learned that. Stay put till He prompts you and tells you and speaks to you to move. And then when you move, you move. You don't stay put. It's just the leading of the Lord in your life as He guides you and directs you, and that's something that He desires to do for every single one of us. Father, we come tonight and we thank you for this time. We thank you for these principles and truths that are spelled out to us. And Father, right now, as we're going to spend some time in worship, I I pray if there's anyone here that perhaps is wanting to seek you in direction, that Lord, that right now, that we would be still before you, give our hearts to you, and Lord, that we would know that you desire to speak to us, that we would wait on you. And Lord, that we would just um, keep looking to you. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your love. And Lord, that as we dedicate our lives to you, that we would be ones that each and every day just spend in that time listening to your voice, reading your word. Father, I thank you for this wonderful gift, Calvary Chapel. It's by your grace, Lord, by your mercy and by your goodness that you've put this fellowship of believers together and i thank you for each one that is here and i thank you for all the things that take place here the love that's here father help us to be a light to this community and father we can just rest in you and what you give to us how you guide us what you want to do through us Lord, I pray that you would just speak to individuals and raise them up and what you would have for them. And Lord, I thank you for all the things that take place here. And Lord, I do pray that everything that we do here, we bring glory and honor to you. Father, we just want to come and spend some time with you right now. So Lord, minister to us. I do pray that tonight that you would take everybody home safely and keep us safe tomorrow, especially those who perhaps need to travel, that your hand of protection would be on them. And Lord, I just pray that in this time of, of Easter season, this time where we're looking to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Lord, that we would just, in our hearts, always keep in remembering what he did for us. Causing us to just, Lord, be it awe and wonder of the wonderful things that you have done to enable us, Lord, that we can have forgiveness and salvation. And, Lord, we can be used of you. But, Lord, we want to be used of you not to, to, to promote our name, but, Lord, only you for your good pleasures. Father, thank you. Speak to our hearts. Lord, just receive our sacrifice of praise. In Jesus' name, amen.